You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Markets Podcast on the FSM Network. And here's your guy, Benny Heitz. It is the Fantasy Sports Markets Podcast here on the FSM Network. What is good, everybody? Ben Heisler with you. We are recording this immediately following the 2019 NBA trade deadline, where we have seen multiple moves go down in very impressive fashion. You had Marcus Gasol go from Memphis Grizzlies to, to uh, the Toronto Raptors. Nikola Miritich goes uh, from the Pelicans to the Milwaukee Bucks. Markel Fultz got dealt. Uh, from earlier in the week, you saw Harrison Barnes got dealt. Otto Porter is now a Chicago Bull. Uh, the list goes on and on, including uh, whether or not Anthony Davis got traded. Uh, turns out he did not. And uh, so Boston likely the favorites to get him. And of course, you know, from earlier last week, Kristaps Porzingis going to Dallas. All those trades and more. Uh, we have a great guest for you guys uh, in Coach Nick Hosselman. He is the great, outstanding analyst over at B-Ball Breakdown. Coach Nick, one of my favorite guys to follow when it comes to breaking down the National Basketball Association. Before we get to Coach Nick, plenty going on over at FantasySportsMarkets.com, including Guaranteed to Run NBA contests each and every day. We also have Guaranteed to Run College Basketball. Uh, we'll break it down for you, especially on Saturdays, with not just Top 25 action, but by conference play. If you're only into the Big 12 and that's the conference that you watch, you can enter a Big 12-specific contest. Same thing goes for ACC and Big 10 and SEC and Pac-12. Uh, all that up for you over on fantasysportsmarkets.com. For those of you that are new to the site, it is a non-DFS salary cap format, which means you get to play the players that you want to play. There's no salaries involved, so you don't have to fit everybody within a cap. You choose your team, you go, and you have a chance to win thousands in perfect roster bonuses, and it's a lot easier to win when you don't have to worry about the salaries. It's a lot of fun. Remember the code QUANTEDGE, Q-U-A-N-T-E-D-G-E, uh, because of our partnership over with thequantedge.com, that'll get you $5 on us with no deposit required to enter in any of our contests. $5, that's a free entry, folks, uh, and an opportunity to win thousands, especially for today and for the weekend. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at FSM Contest. If you want to follow me, you can do so at Benny Heist. We are on Instagram at Fantasy Sports Markets and on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Fantasy Sports Markets is where you find us. It's also where you find a lot of our live videos. And finally, please take a second if you enjoy the show, if you enjoy the podcast, to rate and review us in Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And also the link that we post as well over at Anchor, that will link you up to wherever your favorite podcast app is. So let's say you used Overcast or Anchor or Pocket Cast for your podcast. It has all the links specific to the podcast right there over on the Anchor page. So again, if you listen in Apple Podcasts, podcast, great. It'll link you right there. Same thing with Google Podcasts. Same thing where everywhere you can find the show, it makes it super easy for you to get to us. Uh, if you guys aren't following him on Twitter at B-Ball Breakdown, you absolutely need to change that. He's one of the best as far as in-game video analysis when it comes to the NBA. He's also breaking down trades. He's also breaking down all the news that you need to know uh, and getting you firsthand information uh, from a coaching perspective. He's, of course, Coach Nick at B-Ball Breakdown on Twitter. It's good to be back with you, my friend. I appreciate the time today. Uh, hey, friend of the breakdown, Ben Heisler, good to hear your voice again. It's been way too long. It feels like just the other day we were doing the, the starting five show, going through the five big subjects of the week and, and going back and forth. And of course, you got uh, an entire empire built up over at B-Ball Breakdown. What are, what are people seeing <laughs> now? 
Well, I, bottom line, I don't know if we were doing it as much as you were doing the show and I was somehow hanging on and offering a couple sentences in between. But uh, I don't know. Things are going over over, uh, over here great. We're doing a lot of stuff. We're breaking down all these trades. And uh, we'll do some really great YouTube videos explaining how these players fit with uh, some really cool video stuff. I'm excited to watch that. And again, not only do you guys follow him on Twitter at B-Ball Breakdown, uh, but go to that YouTube page. Make sure you guys give him a thumbs up because the NBA, anal- uh, the NBA analysis has been terrific. Uh, I want to start as we do this little trade uh, deadline recap show with a trade that never seemed to happen. Uh, the Lakers were very interested in Anthony Davis. The news came out a couple weeks ago. That trade uh, announcement became public that he wanted to be traded. Uh, and it kind of felt like Dell Demps just didn't have any interest in moving Davis at least to the Lakers. I'm curious to get your perspective on whether or not you thought what the Lakers offered was enough for Davis and, and whether you think he'll ultimately be moved at least by the time the summer rolls around it and maybe who you think the best fit would be. Well, I think that it was less about sending him to the Lakers, although it's possible that there was some karma going on uh, by, you know, LeBron having his agent uh, become Anthony Davis's agent. And then that who knows what the politics move on in the background there. But I just felt like the Pelicans were wise to wait for the Celtics to be able to get involved in a trade deal because because of the whole situation with the way Kyrie's contract is, they couldn't have traded for him now. So it just made sense. Whatever deal the Lakers were going to offer them today would have been there in the summer alongside every other offer they might be able to get. And so that was, in my mind, the driving force behind just simply waiting to see what would happen because they know they'll, they'll never get their full value for a guy like Anthony Davis anyway. So you might as well have your choice of things to choose from and make sure that that's the biggest choices you can have. The Celtics fans seem to be celebrating like they're the clear-cut favorite to land Anthony Davis. Do you do you see it that way? I mean, listen, it sounds to me like they said they don't want to go to Boston or somebody in his camp said that. And generally, you can probably believe that more than you don't have than you don't believe it. So I would think that we know that AD kind of wants to go to L.A., although there does seem to be a notion of stars not wanting to go to L.A. to play with LeBron. We've already seen that in the past with Kawhi. We've seen that in the past with Paul George. So there's something up with that. And so that. It may, might change the dynamic, which is maybe why the Celtics are also excited because they also are would, would take one year and then see what happens and gamble that maybe he'd want to stay. So that's that's what they're at right now. But it's a it's a big gamble. You're in the LA area. You're well connected in the LA area. I, I would imagine that a team with LeBron in it, especially over the last couple of years, based on what we've seen in Cleveland, uh, is that usually a LeBron team at the deadline is very hungry to make moves. But today. Uh, It was basically them getting Mike Muscala from the Clippers, who was just traded there from Philadelphia, and the Lakers are giving up on Michael Beasley and Ivaka Zubac. I I can't imagine that you were um, at least expecting that that was all the Lakers were going to do today. No, that was a bit of a surprise. And I think that the Beasley thing could easily be, um, you know, he got uh, he stepped up to uh, Luke Walden in a big in a bit of a fight or, uh, you know, a non non uh, a verbal fight in the locker room the other game. And that might be a check in uh, Luke Walton's favor where it looked like he's going to get fired any day. But perhaps they're going to be like, you know what, we're going to get rid of a little bit of the equation here that you were dealing with and not have him be around anymore, although he'll be down the hall uh, with the Clippers. But uh, that that there's a whole lot of things going on with that trade. But certainly um, we, we've seen that before. We saw it last year and there was a, a jolt of the electricity and excitement. And it very quickly dissipated once those players got settled and they realized they were really not better. And, uh, you know, the Lakers should be 
fortunate they didn't make that trade because it would have really made it difficult for them to do much uh, once they got rid of all of those assets if indeed the Pelicans had decided to take them all. I, they wouldn't have had a team to play the rest of the year. So let's go through some of these trades and, and we'll go in chronological order. We'll go rapid fire through them. Let's start all the way back sure. in all the way back in late January, back when Kristaps <laughs> Porzingis uh, was moved from the New York Knicks to Dallas. Uh, he goes along with Tim Hardaway, Courtney Lee, and Trey Burke. Meanwhile, the Knicks get Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, uh, Wes Matthews, who was set to be bought out, along with two first-round picks. Uh, obviously, the headline here is Porzingis and him being able to get teamed up with Luka Doncic in, in Dallas. And, you know, a lot of these teams that are looking at some of these max free agent deals on the horizon, um, you know, they're banking on the opportunity to meet with them and be able to sell them. Meanwhile, Dallas says, no, we have a chance to get a really good player here. We know that we have to give up a lot for him. Uh, but Doncic and Porzingis together in the future, what do you make of that pairing? And, and what do you make of Dallas's future moving forward? Well, we did a video on this. Once the trade happened, that went, uh, you know, a lot of people watched it. And it was really exciting for me because when you get to see the possibility of Doncic and Porzingis running pick and roll, it opens up so much for everybody. And my argument was almost that they could be, you know, either the most exciting or it could be the best pick and roll duo we've ever had if they're both healthy because we've never really seen a guy who's like seven foot three and really big as a screen setter then be able to pop out and shoot threes. And so that's going to open up a lot of things in the same way that Dirk did, but he's even bigger. And he might even be like, you know, as good of a shooter as that, who knows? And he certainly could put the ball on the ground a little bit too. And his threat to roll and then, you know, throw down lobs is certainly better than Dirk ever had. So we have uh, some dynamics here that would really open up the offense. So I love that trade for Dallas. I love Tim Hardaway as an upgrade over Wesley, uh, West Matthews. It's a great pickup for them. Even Courtney Lee will be a favorite, I'm sure, of Carlisle's. So they're in pretty good shape to, you know, compete going forward. They'll just probably shut down these guys and try and hold on to their pick for this this year and then go go at it full speed next year. Uh, one thought on the Knicks, though, at least their ability to get themselves in a position to clear space for, for two max free agents. Of course, the reports are that Kevin Durant might be one of them that could theoretically come in, and we'll see what they do with the second. But uh, the other thing that this trade does is that it puts them in a really good position uh, to not only clear out a bunch of space, but really put themselves in a good opportunity uh, to be in that top tier of the lottery for Zion Williamson. So uh, do you like what the Knicks did, knowing that they gave up on somebody uh, that could be as talented and as elite as Porzingis for the opportunity to roll the dice? Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see exactly how this all plays out to decide how well this is going to work for the Knicks, even though that number one pick doesn't really uh, isn't affected by the trade, for instance, or for, per se, but... Yes, uh, it does open up a lot of things. They'd still have uh, Dolan as their uh, president, and that's going to be a problem for anybody who wants to sign there because people know that, it, that it's the, the, the franchise and the culture isn't the best. So if they're, I don't feel confident that KD is going to go there. I think he probably leaves the Warriors, but it doesn't feel like he, might, he wouldn't go to the Knicks necessarily. The only way he would go to the Knicks is if they've already colluded him and Kyrie right. and like Jimmy Butler and they've already decided that's a lock. That's when he goes, but he's not going to be the, the unicorn guy. Excuse me, not to, not to insult the Knicks fans calling him a unicorn after Borzinga's left, but uh, I don't think he's going to be the first guy to jump. He's going to go there to New York only when he knows there's like at least the other two guys going with him. Uh, and that's still a bit of a stretch. So let's jump ahead to just the other day on Wednesday where you had a bunch of deals go down. 
Uh, Houston, Cleveland, and the Kings were involved in a three-team trade. Uh, Amon Shumpert ended up going to Houston with Nick Stauskas and Wade Baldwin. Stauskas and Baldwin ended up getting moved after that. Uh, the Cavs are getting Brandon Knight, Marquise Chris in a first-round pick, with uh, Sacramento receiving Alec Burks. I set that up because the Kings also made another deal on Wednesday to get Harrison Barnes, and they've moved on from Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph. Those two guys go to Dallas. We'll see ultimately as to whether or not Randolph gets bought out. But uh, the Kings seem to be trying to get themselves in playoff positioning. They add this uh, versatile veteran three in Harrison Barnes. Uh, they also add in another shooting guard and I guess point guard shooting guard in Alec Burks, wherever you decide to play him. Uh, but do you like the mindset of what the Kings are doing here with the, some of these veteran moves down the stretch? Yeah, it's a different team and a different culture almost. They're playing a lot better than they ever have. Um, so when you got guys like Bogdanovich, who's already on my favorite player list, and Buddy Heal is there, and De'Aaron Fox is also terrific, it's a great core. They've all of a sudden, like over, overnight, put together, and you're saying to yourselves, geez, they're actually you know making some good moves. Harrison Barnes should fit in really nicely. Doesn't have to be a 20-point-per-game score, and he's probably not that, even though he did it with Dallas and his, his uh, percentages were a little bit low for, to do that. You know, if he's scoring his 15, 16 a game, playing tough defense, being that veteran who's got a ring already and has that uh, that experience, uh, that that's a really good win. Now, and I know Harrison Barnes a little bit. He's a great guy. So that's another thing is you need you don't want to have you want to have great guys in the locker room. Something that they've struggled with in the past uh, as far as the Kings go. So really a great uh, a great move by them. And I would expect them to make a really hard push to make that you know eighth or seventh spot in the West. They're a fun team to watch, and I'm wondering if you've seen, noticed anything different from Dave Yeager this year with this team as opposed to in years past? Is it just quality development? Is the guys getting a little bit more comfortable? What's allowed the Kings to take that next step? I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with Fox, his development, and whoever wants to get credit for that, you know, have it, have at it. Uh, you know, and their offense, he's opened it up a lot more, and they've been able to get more space and move and run and do that stuff. That's really exciting. Um, and then, you know, Bogdanovich has also been a guy who was a great pickup, and everyone that, who went to know was excited about it, but no one knew who he was until, you know, I would say, you know, this year he's finally kind of coming into his own. So it's another one of those great pickups who's a guy who's just tough as nails, going to hit clutch shots when they need him. So they're really doing, you know, what they've been with all this sort of uh, talent that they've had and all this promise they've had. They're kind of are finally putting some things together. Uh, they have to avoid being in that purgatory of the eighth or seventh spot and, you know, figure out how to make that next jump. But for right now, knowing where the Warriors are, uh, they're in a good shape to kind of wait that out for a year or so, get some good experience. And then, you know, who knows, maybe take that next jump. One other trade from Wednesday night that I want to discuss with you is between the Wizards and the Bulls. Uh, basically a salary dump in essence for Chicago getting rid of Jabari Parker, uh, although he had, I, I think there was going to be a team option for next year, but still $20 million for a guy that couldn't crack Jim Boylan's rotation, and especially right from the very beginning when he announced publicly that he wasn't there to play defense. It kind of got off to a rough start in Chicago. Uh, but he goes with the Wizards along with Bobby Portis in a second-round pick. Chicago gets Otto Porter and his massive contract, I think $58 million over the next uh, two years or so. Uh, I, I think Porter fits in what the Bulls are trying to do. He's a good 3 and D guy, uh, but I think it's just the, the albatross of the contract that I think scares a lot of people off. And... It basically tells the world that the Bulls knew that they weren't going to be able to get any major free agents coming in next year. That completely takes them out of cap space and the opportunity to sign a max guy. So I guess a two-part question for you. The first is, do you think Porter with a new fresh start in Chicago will work out? And two, what do you make of Chicago, a major destination in a historic NBA franchise, basically saying, we know that free agents don't want to play here? 
<laughs> well, you know, uh, the Garpax duo has taken a lot of criticism over the years, and they deserve a lot of it. And you kind of have to wonder, okay, what what is happening here? Uh, that said, you know, it was it was probably a great way to get rid of the Parker deal. It might have been the, the the biggest impetus is to get off of that off get that off the books just to begin with. Uh, although I do like Jabari Parker, I think that there is a role for him in the NBA where he could be a a, a high volume scorer off the bench where they don't need him to play defense. Uh, Bobby Portis is a tough guy, tough guy who can get rebounds, could score down low, can shoot the mid-range really well. Uh, but Otto Porter is the same kind of cut player, so it's almost like they're just trading the same kind of guy in a way. Uh, so I think that was a, it was a good trade for the Bulls uh, in, in what they want to do as far as overall get their books in order. But yeah, uh, with Boyle in there, it's a real problem, and it sounds like everybody wants him out except for John Paxson and and, and Gar Hurd, or Gar or for whatever reason. Um, they want to keep him in there. He's an old school, you know, uh, doesn't seem to understand how to communicate with players these days. And uh, that's going to be a problem for them, probably bigger than anything else. Long term, when you look at the Bulls' core of Chris Dunn and Zach Levine and now with Otto Porter, uh, they're very big on Laurie Markinen and Wendell Carter, even to the point where uh, reports have come out saying that Markinen and, and Carter are the two untouchables on the team. I don't know if I consider anybody untouchable on the Chicago Bulls at this point, but what do you make overall of their core? And, and are you surprised or impressed or disappointed with their development? Uh, because it seems like a lot of talent altogether. Uh, it just hasn't turned into results and, and coaching can certainly be a, a part of that conversation. Yeah, every, everything that I've talked, everyone I've talked to about it, and I haven't, I need to watch a little bit more of the Bulls. I, I've done a little bit of research into it, but uh, Markkanen should be doing better than he is. And everyone I've talked to and observed and read it discusses the notion of what they're doing with the offense is really hurting him. And that could very well be, uh, you know, and that's certainly what we've seen with Boylan stuff is it's just not uh, maximizing that. So they really are going to consider them untouchables. And by the way, I also love um, uh, the guy from Duke as well. Oh, my goodness. Um, Carter? Carter, sorry, yeah, Wendell, Wendell Carter, Carter Jr. Uh, I, like, I, I like his game as well, and he looked like he was on his way to develop really, you know, quickly, and then it sort of stalled. So, you know, but those are the two guys I would, without question, focus on. I wouldn't focus on Levine. Chris Dunn maybe uh, has something there that I like. Uh, so they're they they're saying the right things, but I don't know if they're executing it the way they should be. And if they don't get that straightened away, and I guess we're talking about really boiling, then it's going to delay that process for years. And then you know, it, it, then who knows what happens at that point. Uh, as far as building at the top of the Eastern Conference, that actually did get started last night with the Philadelphia 76ers making a move to acquire a guy whose game that I love in Tobias Harris. Uh, he goes from the Clippers along with Boban Marjanovic and Mike Scott. Uh, Philadelphia gave up a lot in this deal. They gave up Wilson Chandler, Landry Shamet, uh, Mike Muscala, who ended up getting traded today from the uh, from the Philadelphia um, back to somewhere Lakers. else. It's kind of hard to, La to keep track. Uh, Lakers. That's right. He, he went from the Clippers to the Lakers. But 76ers also gave up two first-round picks and two second-round picks. Uh, Tobias Harris is a really nice player, but some people are saying that it might be insurance in case Jimmy Butler ends up going somewhere else. So um, is was that too much to give up for an insurance policy? And, and what does Tobias Harris do now to put Philadelphia? Are they at the top of the Eastern Conference? Or are they still a step below Toronto and Milwaukee and Boston? Where do you sort of have them at this point? Well, a lot of people want to anoint that starting five as the best one, you know, 1A behind the Warriors. And I don't know if I would argue with that. It's a it's a good starting five without question. And I think that's what Brett Brown is going to have to deal with is how do you do every other part of the game and who are you going to play with whom? And that's going to be the biggest uh, concern for him to figure it out, at least immediately this year until the, the, the uh, playoffs are over. 
Um, so, the, yeah, it definitely should put them up there at the top of the Eastern Conference without question, which is sort of where they were anyway. But, yeah, I, and I love Tob Tobias Harris. Thought he, you know, he should have gotten real all-star considerations. Uh, Boban is another great guy to have in the locker room. Those two guys together could also balance out the Jimmy Butler negativity that just happens to exist wherever he goes. And so that also might be a, a positive out of that. But you're right. They did put a lot of um, assets into that trade for a guy that could just walk. So um, I, I don't know if it was insurance necessarily. I mean, unless they know that Jimmy Butler wants to get out of there based on the fact that he's browbeating everybody and upset and, and criticizing Brett Brown. That could be a, the, the evidence right there. Um, and if that's the case, then, yeah, then they're in good shape. But they have to make sure they sign him. If they don't, then it's a terrible trade for the Sixers. I, I agree with you there. As far as the rest of the Eastern Conference goes, we start to transition into trades from today on the actual trade deadline. Uh, not only was Philadelphia active, but uh, two teams that are competing with them for the top of the Eastern Conference also got involved and also made some quality moves. You had Marcus Gasol uh, going to Toronto today with Memphis getting back Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, C.J. Miles in a second-round pick. You know, maybe Wright has a, a decent future, but again, not a whole lot to give up uh, for somebody like Marcus Gasol if you're trying to compete and win now. And meanwhile, a guy that I, I think is a really good fit, I'm not sure what you think of it, uh, but Nikola Miritich going from New Orleans to Milwaukee in exchange for Stanley Johnson, who was just traded, Jason Smith, and multiple second-round picks. Um, so as far as the logjam at the top of the Eastern Conference with Toronto, with Milwaukee, with Philadelphia, with Boston, uh, who do you think is best positioned to take home the top seed in the Eastern Conference after all of these trades have now been completed? Well, we mentioned, okay, so we talked about Philly for a second there, but I definitely like Miritich on Milwaukee as well, if he's healthy. Um, and if you look at his health uh, history, he, he really has had a hard time staying on the floor for his entire career. I know last year he he was better, but uh, it, it doesn't strike me as a surprising thing that he's been missing so much this uh, this year as well. So uh, it's a nice pickup, some more shooting uh, with uh, with him uh, that they need. And everybody always needs more shooting anyway. Um, so it, it, it has to be between, I, I would imagine, I mean, again, the Celtics have to be up there as well because they are good, but they're not. They haven't gelled properly either. So um, I would have to say with a gun to my head, I would probably still pick Milwaukee, and then I would say Philadelphia is right there, and then the Celtics are a little bit below that. And guess what I forgot? Toronto. Um, Toronto, who I've loved the most from the beginning, uh, is also – there's something about Lowry that I wonder uh, – it makes me feel a little bit uh, wanting in his game this year, and his shooting is down, his scoring is down, his assists are up. But there's something about that, and I think that we heard a rumor that they were going to try and chop him – and then there was, uh, you know, argument whether or not that was really from the Toronto side or not. But I, I would not have been surprised that if Ujiri would have been looking to move him, it would not be a surprise to me at all. Uh, didn't happen, but um, I don't know. These are all one A, one B. It's really hard to choose. What, what would you say? I would say probably I, I like Toronto and Milwaukee the best right now. Boston has the talent, uh, but they've been really frustrating all year. It's funny to think that the two teams that are the most talented uh, in Boston and and um, and Philadelphia, I would say, uh, are the two teams that you've been dealing with a lot more inconsistencies this year. And, and normally, you always bank on talent in the NBA, right? But but in this situation, and, you know, I've been burned on in the past with Toronto in the Eastern Conference, but um, I, I really like the way that they've played. I, I think they're great on both ends of the, of the court. Um, Milwaukee is fascinating to me because of that length, because of their spacing. Uh, I still think Giannis is the MVP. I know that James Harden went nuts for a while, but uh, Giannis is doing it uh, in very impressive fashion. So I probably... I would probably go Milwaukee one, 
uh, Toronto two, Philadelphia three, and Boston four. Am I nuts? I, I think you're not nuts. I think you, you describe what it's like right now anyway, right? That's probably what the standings are. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it probably will end up playing out the way it already has all season long, independent of all these moves. Yeah, that's what we have. The Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, and, oh, the Pacers right now uh, are ahead of the Sixers, if, it's, if this is refreshed properly, uh, which is a very surprising thing. that They've kept their head above water uh, over the last 10 games without um, – Oladipo. So, um, but we clearly the Sixers are above the Indiana Pacers. So, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a finally a great second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. I think so too. Uh, one final trade to get your perspective on, and this is something that I think we saw for a while. Uh, not necessarily where he would go, but that eventually he'd be moved. Markel Fultz, former number one pick in the draft goes to Orlando, he gets a chance to really start fresh, and uh, Steve Clifford and his staff get to build him along slowly and try and bring out that talent uh, that Philadelphia clearly saw from a couple of years ago after he was the number one pick out of Washington. Um, Philadelphia ends up getting Jonathan Simmons. They get a first-round pick from Orlando uh, along with a second-round pick. So uh, let's focus in on Fultz here. Uh, do you think Steve Clifford and the Magic in this particular situation as part of their rebuild do you think they're the right team to be able to maximize that potential out of Fultz? Um, unclear. We haven't seen the best development out of the Magic uh, generally, but but a, a change of scenery was is was required for Fultz, so that's good no matter where he went. Um, I'll have to wait and see. I mean, is he going to be healthy? Is he all of a sudden going to have you know uh, those issues are behind him because he's out of Philadelphia? That would be what I'm more interested to find out is what what happened? What, what is all this stuff going on with his his shoulder or not shoulder or whatever it is? Um, so if, if that's okay, I mean, I would have to wait and see if they can fix that because again, no team would be able to help him if he can't get whatever's going on uh, physically with him in order. So, uh, it'll be a really weird cautionary tale that, um, that would be, you know, unprecedented as far as you know, the history of the NBA of a guy coming in like that and not being able to perform. But anyway, the point being that uh, Orlando is a great change of scenery, but really up in the air whether or not it's going to be any he'll play any better. All the big stories of the trade deadline in about 20 minutes or so. So I'll, I'll take it. Great stuff as always. Make sure you guys are following Coach Nick on Twitter at B-Ball Breakdown. Subscribe to his YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash B-Ball Breakdown for some really insightful videos. It makes you a smarter NBA fan. And when you're <laughs> a smarter NBA fan, you can enjoy the game just a little bit more. Are you in? I know that I am. Coach, always great to talk to you man it's always a lot of fun and uh, let's not make it a couple years anymore let's do this again soon you got it i'm in